What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. Today I have an assignment for you. And I know that the scholars that you are, you can get this, all right? So what I want to do today is I want to give this side of the auditorium assignment one. And I want to give this side of the auditorium assignment number two. All right, so the, the assignment is simply this. I want you out loud to say, have faith. Can you say that? Have faith. Do it again. Have faith. Obviously, you probably understand what's coming next. So I want you to say, in God. Say it. In God. One more time. In God. All right, so now let's try it. Are you ready? What is a Christian called to do? Good job. So the title of the message today, and in fact, not even necessarily the title of my sermon, but the purpose of Hebrews chapter 11 is to remind us of that thought. Have faith in God. That's the purpose of the Christian life, is it not? That we as believers who trust in Jesus put our faith, our total reliance, and our total dependence upon God. And today, I'm going to bring that question out again. And if I say, what is a Christian called to do? You are to say, have faith in God. Good job. Now, you better stay awake because I might catch you sleeping here in a few moments. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it's obvious it's about faith. This chapter begins with faith and nearly every verse is about faith. In fact, not every verse, but nearly every verse mentions the word faith in these 40 verses. It begins by giving us a description about what faith is. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, and listen, I believe that we are to have faith in God. And I believe that these elders that are written about in this chapter reveal to us examples of how we can have faith in God. Listen, I believe, according to this passage of Scripture, going back to the early verses, I believe, like these elders, that God created this world into existence. And I don't believe that because I was there and I can scientifically prove it to you. I believe it totally by faith. I believe that we have got to trust the authenticity and the testimony of the Word, that God spoke the world into existence. Like Abel... I have faith in God's ultimate atoning sacrifice to cleanse me and to cleanse you from our sins. Like Enoch, I believe that God honors faith and without faith we cannot please him. Like Noah, I believe by faith that God is able to save his people from destruction. Like Abraham, I believe by faith in the mighty promises of God because he has demonstrated that he can keep his word. Like Sarah, in moments of doubt, I still believe that God can deliver his promises in unpredictable ways. Like Isaac, I believe by faith in blessing future generations with God's holy word. Like Jacob, I believe that we are called as believers to worship God by faith, even in the moment 
of our final days. Like Joseph, I believe by faith in the providential hand of God. That is, when we are going through trials, God is present. When we're there at the top of the, of the leadership role in a society, God is with us. And so we've got to trust his plan and his hand. Like Moses, I will gladly by faith suffer amongst the people of God, believing that God gives rewards to those who believe in him. Like the people of Israel... I believe in the supernatural hand of God who guides and provides, who directs and protects his people who trust in him by faith. Like Israel, I believe God can part the seas of life. Like Israel, I believe that God can make the walls of Jericho tumble down and defeat the enemies. Like Rahab. My, I like Rahab. In fact, if I were to say right now my favorite character in Hebrews 11, it would have to be Rahab. I believe by faith that God can save to the uttermost, and as one preacher said, all the way to the guttermost. God can reach into the very lowest of lows in society and the highest of highs, those who are prestige and famous and those who are using their body as a means of income. God can step into their life and gloriously save them. I believe by faith, God transforms the vilest of sinners and uses them for his sovereign purposes and plans. Like Gideon, I believe by faith, when you are outnumbered, God always has a plan. Like Barak, I believe by faith, God will always bring victory even in the hour of defeat. Like Jephthah, I believe that God wants us to keep our promises to him by faith. Like Samuel, I believe by faith God has given us a greater prophet and a greater priest and his name is Jesus. Like the prophets, I believe by faith God uses people, ordinary people, to accomplish his extraordinary will. And he will do that through you and through me today. My friends, can we have faith in God? What is a Christian called to do? Great job. He has called us to have faith in God. So not only the title of my message today is have faith in God, but, and not only is the theme of chapter 11 of Hebrews have faith in God, but, but the message that I have for you today that I want you to leave with is those four words, have faith in God. And that is the key thought today. But the question I'm seeking to answer and ask today, digging in a little bit deeper in verse 39 and verse 40, is what happens when we have faith in God? I think supernatural events take place when we have faith in God. I believe miracles take place when we have faith in God. So many times we see the miracles in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus raised the dead. He gave sight to those who couldn't see and healed those with various diseases. I believe sometimes we only say God can do miracles in that way or that he's going to make the walls tumble down like Jericho and the Red Sea part like in Egypt. But today I want to remind you that the greatest miracle that God performs today is when he saves a lost sinner. And it is a supernatural thing when a lost man or woman looks up to heaven and says, God, I believe you by faith. But I want to draw your attention today to verse 39. I want to share three thoughts with you 
But before we dive in, you need to understand verse 39 and verse 40 is a summarization of all that he said since verse 1. And then it is a transitional uh, part to lead us into chapter 12. Summarizing all that has taken place in these few words and then leading us into the race that God has called us to run in chapter 12. But I want to draw your attention, first of all, to the first part of verse 39. Here is what happens when we have faith in God. Number one, when we have faith in God, we will obtain a good report. When we have faith in God, we will obtain a good report. You might be uh, in school right now, you young people, or you might be in college, or, or maybe you, you've long since left that time of your life. But you know, many years ago, they would give out report cards. They would give out the midterm ones. They would give out the one at the end of the nine weeks, and they give out one at the very end of the semester. And everything about that report was a demonstration of how you displayed your work in the class. And today, the word good report here in the Bible, in verse number 39, it says, and these all, re referring to all the ones mentioned in chapter 11 and really all the ones in, in previous times. He says, these all having obtained a good report through faith. Good report, this comes from the same word that we get martyr from. The same word that we get testimony from. So in other words, as the writer of Hebrews is calling on these characters to the witness stand to testify how God used them and their record and their report of the mighty hand of God in their life. Today, we know that Elijah did not obtain God's favor because he was able to defeat the 400 and some prophets of Baal. We know that Moses did not obtain God's favor because he lifted up his rod in a strong east wind part of the Red Sea. We know that Joshua did not obtain God's favor because he just simply marched around the walls of Jericho. Listen, these characters that are demonstrated in chapter 11 of Hebrews obtained a good report to God by their faith. In fact, it says here that, that in these all, every single one of them, to the several men mentioned and to the two women, Sarah and Rahab, it says, all of them obtained a good report through, say the word with me, faith. Faith, my friends, is what God requires of you and me. As I've been meditating in this verse here about the good report, I, I just want to highlight three of these testimonies. Abel and his brother Cain, you know the story back in the book of Genesis. Abel and Cain, they are brought an offering to God. Now, I just want to pause and say this. Most of the time in our life, what we bring to God is our leftovers. Now, I don't know about you, but when I have pizza, sometimes I put the pizza in the fridge and I can have pizza cold and it tastes good. Now, it does depend on which kind of pizza it is. If it's, if it's the pizza from the frozen food section at Walmart, it may not be quite as good as if you go out somewhere to sit down and have that good pizza. It's interesting. I've noticed these last 12 years or so that a lot of times what we give God is our junk that's stored in our storage unit that we've long since forgot about. But what God demands from us is excellence and first fruits. The first thing that should be on our mind in every area of our life is this is my offering to God. And listen, Abel thought he was bringing God something good. Excuse me, Cain thought he was bringing something good to God, but in reality, it wasn't what God wanted. Abel brought God something great. 
Today, my friends, we recall the testimony of, of Abel and Cain, and, and Cain became very jealous and envious of his brother. That, that is an unhealthy type of jealousy that produced sin in his life, and he goes and he, he displays hatred, and he murdered his brother. Abel crosses into eternity to be with God, and the testimony that Abel had is he brought an offering to God by faith. The idea is Cain brought of his own works to God, Abel brought of his own faith to God, and and God wants us to obtain a good report all by faith. I think about Enoch, that great prophet of old, and by the way, we wouldn't know he was a prophet unless Jude wrote about him in his amazing small little letter, and in there, he speaks about how he prophesied that word for proclaiming the word of God in a unique manner by a prophet. And Enoch did that. And he did. A generation right before the flood, God raised up a mighty soldier of his message there to share to the world about the truth of God and about how judgment is coming unless you get right with God. And Enoch is unlike these other characters that are mentioned in chapter 40. Enoch did not go through the pain and agony of death. One of these days, I'll drop dead. If I could choose, I, I, I know it would be hard on you, but I would love to do that while I'm preaching. That would just be a great way to go out. But I know it would be a painful day for everybody here, so I don't know. Better be careful what you wish for, right? But, but Enoch, it was like God said, you know what, Enoch? You're walking so close with me. You're pleasing me. Come on up to glory. And he did. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to escape death unless we happen to be a generation of the God's people that go up in the rapture, then we certainly will. But nonetheless, Enoch obtained a good report with God. And I submit to you that the theme of Hebrews chapter 11 goes back to remind us that that good report was through faith. And then of Noah. We understand the totality of Noah's life was not perfect. Noah was a, a fallen creature like you and me. He messed up, especially after the flood. But, but, but he lived in a generation where people were antagonistic against God and his word. And there he was proclaiming the message of God, building a boat. Everybody was scoffing him and mocking him and ridiculing him and making fun of him. But he obtained a good report with God by faith because he knew that God's word was superior than man's word. We have to come to God by faith. What is the Christian called to do? Getting a little weak on me now. Some of you have fallen asleep. Let's try it again. What is the Christian called to do? Have faith in God. That's what we're called to do. Have faith in God. But secondly, may I draw your attention to the second part of verse 39? What happens when we have faith in God? Well, of course, we obtain a good report. But secondly... When we have faith in God, we will receive the promise. Verse 39 goes on to say, How these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. This takes us back to Abraham. In fact, earlier in the Abraham account, we see the same word for promise mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. A very unique term reminding us that, that God gives his people a word that will come to fruition. It's concrete. It's settled. It's not going away. 
But going back to Abraham, God raised up Abraham. He gave a promise to him back in verses 8 through 22. And he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your home country and I want you to go to a new country because I have a promise for you. Promise number one is I know that you're a little aged and you don't have any children, but I'm going to give you a son. Promise number two, through that son, you're going to have a big nation. And promise number three, you're going to have a land to put your nation of people in. But remember, Abraham only lived to see one of those promises come into place. And that is, he had a son named Isaac. And, and by the way, the, the ultimate promise that Abraham was given about his son, about this people, and about this land, is reminding us that one day, Abraham, there will be somebody coming through your lineage who will redeem the, the world from their sins, and especially the people of Israel. And his name would be Messiah, and as we know him as Jesus. Reminding us that, that ultimately Abraham's son would be Jesus the Messiah. That, that the offspring of his lineage would give way to the one who could redeem the lost from their sins. And that in the land that God promised him, that Messiah would come. Abraham received a promise. But he looked to the future of this promise, not seeing it in its total um, fulfillment. And the same with these others. That promise was obviously passed down to his son, Isaac, and his grandson, Jacob, and his great-grandson, Joseph. And then down to the prophet Moses and the rest of the prophets. God would raise up Moses, give the same promise that he gave to them. He would reaffirm his promise and his covenant that he gave to Abraham to Moses. We know it as the Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant. And we see that God would do that. God would give not just Moses... Um, the promise of a son, but we see that finally by the time Moses is around, we have this massive army of Israel. A lot of people. Some scholars say two and a half million. I don't know exactly, but it's just the number they say. There was a lot of people that left Egypt that day. God gives Moses the law, begins to better direct the people of Israel. But it wouldn't be later until Joshua that the land would begin to be conquered. It wouldn't be until the Davidic kingdom when David was king and there David has kind of the larger territory that God said that they would have but still didn't reach the entirety of it. And by the way, Israel has never, to my understanding, occupied the full amount of land that God promised to them. But one day, rest assured, they will. One day, they will have it all that God promised them. And there, we will worship God but you know what's interesting? As I read this chapter, I'm reminded that yes, God gave Abraham and those that followed him promises. But God has also grafted you and me into these promises. And that's where we fall in as Gentiles. Now listen, maybe you're Jewish here today. Maybe you're not. The reality is, is I'm sure at some point down in the past, we might have all a little Jewish blood in us. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is it doesn't matter if you're Gentile or Jew. You can benefit from the promise God gave to Abraham through Jesus. So I wonder today, do you have that promise? This is a promise that, by the way, the Old Testament saints are looking to. They're looking to that promise. But we have our binoculars on. And they're on the other side of this place, looking back at Jesus, seeing all that took place in his 33 years of his existence on this earth and his life that he lived. But remember, we haven't seen all of the promises of God take place just yet. There are things that he has promised to us and to the world that will come to place and will come to pass, but isn't just yet. 
And so just as those Old Testament saints believed all of those promises by faith, and we've seen some of those come into fruition, we still got to believe the ones that haven't came into place by faith now today. So I have a question for you. What is a Christian called to do? Have faith in God. When we have faith in God, yes, we will receive the promise. And yes, we will obtain a good report. But thirdly, can I draw your attention now to verse 40? In verse 40, we see the third amazing event that transpires in the life of a person who puts their faith in God. When we have faith in God, we will be made complete. When we have faith in God, we will be made complete. I like verse 40. It can be a little confusing at first, but when you begin to sink in and settle in and meditate on it, it begins to get clear. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Years ago, as many of you know, I enjoyed growing up skateboarding and and the culture of skateboarding is to not always follow the rules. Um, and so there I am as a teenager going, uh, it's Christmas Day, and we are trespassing on the campus of Virginia Western Community College. I probably told my parents we were going to the Salem Skate Park, and there I was, not where I was where I said I would be. But here we are, we're at this place, because you've got to understand, in a skateboard's mind, a skateboarder's mind, they look at a staircase, they look at a handrail, they look at ledges, they look at everything different than you do. You look at this ledge, it's, oh, that's a nice place to sit down, that's a nice staircase to walk up and down, but skateboarders look at it as, and that's a nice place to destroy, put some wax on there and grind away. That's a nice stair set to try to jump down and maybe hope I don't break a leg. So there we are in the campus of Virginia Western Community College. Christmas Day closed. Windy, cold uh, as could be. And uh, we're getting out. We got our video camera out. You know, the old school. It had like a little tape in there. You put it in. We're we're trying to make the skateboard video. We're having a good time. And then all of a sudden we say, we hear a voice. Hey, who's there? And so we grabbed all our stuff. And man, we were gone. Gone. Gone, gone, gone. That place had an unrestricted access there on the campus. And there's other places that we would go to that we were not permitted to go to. But you have to understand, in the Old Testament mind, I said all that to say this, in the Old Testament mind, God had a no trespassing sign to a certain point. You can remember, there was only one character allowed into the Holy of Holies where God's holy presence would, would reside on the Ark of the Covenant. The, the high priest would go in once a year and had to be very meticulous in his effort to get there. But now, my friends, God has taken off that unrestricted access to him. And we have an unrestricted way to get to God. And his name is Jesus. And I believe that in verse 40, it's a reminder that, remember, the book of Hebrews is all about the superiority of Jesus. That Jesus is better than everything the Old Testament had to offer. And so verse 40, the writer is reminding us that, hey, say, listen, listen, guys. I know you're getting a little tired from my sermon, but you need to pay attention to this. He said, God has given us something better than what they had. A new covenant. And his name is Jesus. And so as we think about this, we go to the pre-patriarch age. That is the time period before Abraham. So you have Abel and you have Enoch and you have Noah. That was a long, 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 long time ago. Those people could come to God by faith and God would make them complete, but it wasn't totally complete until the Messiah died. 
And the same would go for those during the patriarch age and all those after the patriarch age. Anybody who lived before Abraham, during Abraham, and after Abraham would have to come to God by faith. And it is only through that faith we can be made perfect, as the King James says, or complete and whole. God does that not through my efforts as a pastor, not through your efforts as as a church member. God does it by faith. Notice, it says, he's provided. He's given us something that says, hey, this is greater. Hey, this is better. I would say it's a lot better that I don't have to get the lambs out and the doves out and sacrifice them all the time. I'm glad I don't have to tie a rope around my leg and march into the Holy of Holies and, and buddy, if I do something slightly wrong, I'm going to drop dead. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful that, that I can get on my knees or I can lift up my voice to God while I'm driving in the car or brushing my teeth in the morning and say, God, help me. We have unrestricted access to God. Through Jesus. Now, let me just say this. If you don't know Jesus, listen, there's a no trespassing sign, buddy. There's a no trespassing sign there. And, and the law of God's going to come thundering down upon you one of these days if you don't know Jesus. But listen, if you do know Jesus, you have, you have a pathway to get out of that way of life into a new way of living. And you can have an unrestricted access to God. But if you don't know Jesus... Just like that security officer there, Virginia Westard, was trying to chase us down, but we could run a little faster than that big boy. (laughs) You cannot outrun God. You can't. So what is a Christian called to do? That was a little weak. What is a Christian called to do? Now let's do it all together. Have faith in God. This year... I know it's been a while. I know we've slowly walked through this. And so you might have gotten fatigued a little along the way. And I appreciate your patience. But this year we've witnessed God's mighty hand at work in the lives of those in biblical history. We've kind of highlighted some in church history, some more recently, like in the, a few hundred years ago, and then some even in our day today. We've recalled all these things. But I, I want you to know this. Today's a new day. Today's a new era. Today is a new epic, a new period in church history. We're living it out right now, and this is a new era in your life today. And so I believe today is a time that we can renew our commitment to God and say, God, for the rest of my life, I want to live by faith. I want to have faith in you in every area. When the lost are responding to the gospel and when they're rejecting the gospel, let's have faith in God. When our church house is full or when it's totally empty of people praising God, let's have faith in God. When people stick around or when people leave, let's have faith in God. When God calls us to stay and if God calls us to leave, let's have faith in God. When we experience victory or defeat, let's have faith in God. When the offerings have record highs or when they reach record lows, let's have faith in God. When we're rich, when we're poor, when we're healthy, when we're unhealthy, let's have faith in God. When there's peace or when there's war, And I'm not talking about overseas. I'm talking about right here in this context. When there's peace and when there's war, let's have faith in God. When life is going great and when life is crumbling down, let's have faith in God. 
When we have confident certainty or doubtful uncertainty, let's have faith in God. When we can see his hand work and when it appears that he's not even present, let's have faith in God. When there's unity in the church and when there's discord, let's have faith in God. When everything's going according to plan and when everything falls apart, let's have faith in God. When our family is following Jesus and when they might slip back away and are not. Let's have faith in God. When we understand God's word and when we don't, let's have faith in God. In every trial, in every triumph, in every tragedy, you know what God's calling us to do? To have faith in God. So no matter what the Amazon delivery man may drop at your doorstep, I want to invite you to have faith in God. We don't know what tomorrow has, but what we do know is we're called to have faith in God. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.